Okay, guys, we're in lesson 33. We're going to look at the transition of leadership. We're in the last few chapters of Deuteronomy. Again, we're not going to read all of this simply because there's a lot of material here, but we're just kind of going to go through with the survey. All right, so let's look at lesson 35. We're going to kind of get through this today and talk about the transition of power. All right, so first of all, Chapter 31 deals with the commissioning of Joshua. All right, so let's bring ourselves up to speed now. Remember, Moses is getting very, very old. Okay, so we're going to see here that he's about 120 years old. And, I mean, that's, I mean, remember now, when the Exodus started, he was 80. Okay? So the whole wilderness journey and stuff, that wasn't during his young years, okay? So he's 120, and remember that he has been told he can't enter into the promised land because he disobeyed the Lord. Remember, rather than speaking to the rock and bringing forth water, his anger towards the rebellion of the children of Israel, he struck the rock. And God said, okay, because of that, you will not be able to enter into the promised land. Okay, now, so let's talk about the transition. So he's always had an assistant, Joshua. And so now Joshua is the one who's going to take over. So at the time of, as the time of Moses' death approached, he commissioned Joshua as leader over Israel. Now notice something. He didn't commission him as king. Okay. Why didn't he do that? Yeah, God is their king. All right? At this point, they don't have, they just have leaders and judges. Okay? They don't have anyone who is, quote, the ruler. All right? But he's the leader. Joshua is being selected as the leader. Okay? Now, Moses instituted at this time the reading of the law every seven years at the Feast of Tabernacles. So every seven years, he instituted that they would read the book of the law. Now, when he refers to the book of the law here, he's actually referring to the book that we are reading, that we're studying right now, the book of Deuteronomy. Okay? Because remember, the book of Deuteronomy covers all of the law, as well as the warning passages and the curses and so forth. So that's what he's referring to here. All right. So Moses instituted the reading of the law every seven years at the Feast of Tabernacles. So then the Lord calls Moses and Joshua to the tent of meeting in order to commission Joshua. Now remember, there was the tabernacle. And then outside of the camp, the tabernacle was in the middle of the camp. But outside of the camp was the tent of meeting where anyone could go and meet with God. And that's got where God's presence would be. And so the Lord calls Moses, bring Joshua to the tent of the meeting, because I'm personally going to what? Commission him. The Lord himself is going to personally commission him. So the Lord stated that Israel will indulge in idolatry, and that evils and trouble will befall them. All right, so 
have you noticed throughout Deuteronomy, there's not a necessarily, well, God's pretty realistic here. Throughout this book as we've studied it, God is always telling them, you guys are going to go off, the, you're going to go do wrong. You're going to do wrong. You're going to go off and whore. It says here the word whore, because he, idolatry is often likened to sexual immorality in the Bible. You're going to go whoring. You're going to go whoring with these foreign gods, and here's what's going to happen. You're going to endure the most severe things that can be imaginable, curses and so forth, on you. So again, here's Moses. He's towards the end of his life. God's just being realistic. Moses, they're going to go whoring after idols. And they're going to experience evils and troubles because of it. Isn't that interesting? God already knows they're going to go in the wrong direction. Remember, he's already made, very prophetically, he's already told Moses that an eagle is going to come and destroy them. Well, we see know from Ezekiel, who's that eagle? Babylon. Okay? So here it is, long before Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar would even exist, God is saying that they're going to be destroyed because of their idolatry. But if they return, he will return to them. So the Lord gave Moses a song as a witness from the Lord against the children of Israel. Okay, so the Lord gave Moses a song as a witness from the Lord against the children of Israel. And he was supposed to teach this song to the children of Israel. Okay, he was supposed to teach this song. So then the Lord commissioned and encouraged Joshua by telling him that Israel will take the land. Now, if you, think about it for a moment. If you're there, you're Joshua, you're with Moses, and you're going into the presence of the Lord, and you hear the Lord saying, this is what's going to happen. They're going to go whoring after them. They're going to experience all these terrible things. Now, you're, you're the leader that's going to take over? What are you thinking? Oh, no. Well, then, guess what God does? It isn't as amazing. God does it. God says, Joshua, you're my man, and you're going to take the land. You're my man, you're going to take the land. It's just awesome that God would do that. All right? Now, here's what else was done. The book of the law was placed beside the Ark of the Covenant as a witness. Okay, now remember the ten, the tablets, the stone tablets with the Ten Commandments, they were placed inside the Ark. Remember that? Now this, the book of the law, the book of Deuteronomy, was placed beside the ark as a witness, as a testimony. What do you mean as a witness, as a testimony? Well, very clearly says in the passage, it was placed there for a reason. Moses stated that since they rebelled in his presence, they will rebel even more after he dies. So think about it for a moment. You've got the lawgiver there, Moses. Did his presence keep them from doing wrong. No, even though he, I mean, he's the one who's interceding for them. He's the one who's saying God's going to judge you. And then, of course, you see God judging you. All right, so now that Moses is leaving, Moses is saying, you know what? My presence isn't going to be here anymore 
you're going to do even more wrong after I'm gone. That's why the witness, the witness of the book was a what? A testimony to them, just like Moses' presence. The witness of the book of the law was a testimony about what God said if they would do wrong. Okay? About what God said if they would do wrong. Now, when you come to chapter 31, there's only one verse there, verse 30, through chapter 32, verse 43, you're going to see the Song of Moses. Now, there's a lot of material here, and I'm not going to go through it, but I'm going to give you a basic outline, okay? I'm going to kind of tell you how the song is divided up, all right? So, first of all, you see there's the introduction to the song. When you come to verses 4 and 9, 4 through 9 of chapter 32, we're going to, the song talks about a faithful God and a corrupt people. Now, would you say that's a pretty accurate description of them? They're corrupt? Yeah, would, you, would you say that? Yeah. Would you say that's a pretty accurate description of you and I? Yeah, we're corrupt too. You need to recognize that. Then you go to verses 10 through 14, and you see the song talks about how the Lord created Israel. Okay? How the Lord created the nation. All right? Verses 15 through 18 talks about Israel's path to idol, excuse me, to apostasy. Israel's path to apostasy. Now it's very interesting. I would almost encourage you to read it. The key factor in their path to apostasy. You want to know what it was? Anybody got a clue? What the key path? No, it wasn't their wives, John. That's a good guess. Okay. Yes, materialism. If you read the passage, it very clearly says that it was their prosperity and materialism that led them into apostasy and away from the Lord. Isn't that interesting? You know? Isn't that interesting? Verse 15 through 18, the path to apostasy. The song continues on, verses 19 through 27, talks about God's judgment on Israel. Talks about God's judgment on Israel. Verses 28 to 33, it talks about a lack of discernment on the part of Israel. They just don't understand. They're not seeing it. And then, in the last part, verses 34 to 43, the song ends with talking about the compassion of God and the vengeance of God. Listen, I need you to understand something. A lot of us operate under a mindset that now that I know Jesus, I'm saved, I'm forgiven, God just is going to extend love to me and he's going to just forgive me. Yes, you are forgiven, but God still punishes sin. Do you understand what I'm saying? And I think we understand, if we just would think about it in terms that we understand, like, you know what? I have four kids. I love my kids. There's no question I love my kids. But when my kids were younger and they did wrong, I still love them, but I still what? Disciplined them when they did wrong, right? Because they needed disciplining. Because you're molding them. It's the same thing with the Lord. He loves you. He forgives you. But he's still going to what, folks, if you go wrong, if you head off in the wrong direction? He's going to discipline you. We need to grasp that point. 
Okay? Salvation doesn't erase that. Okay? Salvation is what gives you forgiveness and, 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 and no longer condemnation going to hell. Alright? So that's the Song of Moses. Now, then we come to verses 44 through 52, and we're going to see the preparation that's made for Moses' death. Okay? We're going to see the preparation that's made for Moses' death. So let's notice now. Moses called them, excuse me, let's go, first of all, in verse 44, Moses called them to consider the song as a deterrent to apostasy and judgment. So he's telling them, you know, they need to teach this song to their children. They need to make this the number one song in the top 40 for them to remember. Why? Because by remembering this song, it's going to be a deterrent to them, hopefully, from doing wrong. Okay? Hopefully from doing wrong. And, of course, it would keep them from going off in apostasy, which then would keep what from happening? Judgment. Okay? So the Lord commanded Moses to go up to Mount Nebo. All right? To die as his brother had, his brother Aaron had. Now, Mount Nebo is the mountain directly to the uh, east of Jericho, across the river to the east of Jericho. All right? So it's in the land of Moab, and Moses was to climb that mountain. All right? He was to climb that mountain, go up that mountain. Moses would be able to see all of Israel from that vantage point before he died. Okay? Moses would be able to see all of Israel from that vantage point before he would die. So God said to him, remember, you can't go into the land because you what? You disobeyed me. But God was gracious in letting what Moses see all of the land. Okay? See all of the land. Now, then we come to chapters 33, and we're going to see the blessing of Moses. This is his final blessing on the people. All right? So verse 1 is the introduction. Verses 2 through 5, he has a praise, his praise of the Lord. It's focused on his praise of God. Verses 6 through 25 is the blessings on the tribes. And so what you're going to see when you come to verses 6 through 25 is an individual blessing on each one of the tribes of Israel. Okay? Moses blesses each one of the tribes of Israel. And these are kind of like prophetic blessings, to be honest with you. We've seen that in the first five books, when the patriarchs would give a blessing. Oftentimes, it was a prophetic blessing, all right? So then in verses 26 to 29, again, we're going to see his praise of the Lord once more, okay? So now we come to the death of Moses, okay? So from Pisgah, on Mount Nebo, across from Jericho, the Lord showed Moses all of Israel. Now, Pisgah, most people think of it as its own mountain, is actually the summit, one of the summits, of Mount Nebo. Okay, Because you'll notice there in the text it says, Moses went up to Mount Nebo, and then on Pisgah, okay, the summit there, he was able to look from that vantage point all the way to the north of where Israel was, all the way down to the south, all the way out to the sea. Okay? All the way out to the sea. 
Now you're wondering, how is that possible? Well, we have somebody in our midst who was just there. And she can tell you how small things are there. The, the distance is not that far. It's not like, you know, you know what? just you need to talk to her afterwards. Talk to Manny, okay? She maybe has a picture, all right? So we just want you to be aware of that. All right, let's look. Let's go on. Moses died, and they buried him in a grave that no one knows, it should be known, no one knows its location in the land of Moab. So somewhere in the valley, they buried him from this mountain. Nobody knows to this day where Moses was buried. Okay? Nobody knows to this day. And there's been a lot of different stories about what happened. There's been Jewish folklore that says that Satan tried to fight, fought with the angels uh, concerning the body of, of Moses, you know, and that Moses' body was taken away to heaven. I mean, there's just a lot of interesting stories. But the text tells us that he was buried, but it was in an unmarked grave that nobody knows to this day where that grave is, except the people who buried him there. Okay? All right, so Moses died in the land of Moab. Moses was 120 years old. Now, it says very clearly in the text that when he died, let me read you what it says here, okay? In, in chapter 34, it talks to you about the condition he was in, all right? Um, verse 7, Moses was 120 years old when he died. His eyes were not dim, nor his natural vigor diminished. So he was a pretty tough old dude. Do you understand? His eyes weren't dim. He just climbed a mountain. That's exactly right. He's been marching around for 40 years in the desert. I mean, his eyes were still good. His vigor was still there, but he died at 120 years old. And Israel mourned his death for 30 days. Okay, they grieved the death of Moses for 30 days. Okay, the writer states that Joshua was a man full of the spirit of wisdom. Now, what's that, folks? That's the spirit of God, isn't it? Okay, spirit of wisdom is often referred to who? As the Holy Spirit. Okay, and then it goes on and it gives an epitaph of Moses. Now, you have to realize that this was written shortly after the time period of Moses' death. So it is noted that there has not arisen another prophet like Moses who knew God face to face. Now we know that there was another prophet who arose. Who was that, folks? Who was even greater than Moses? Who was greater than Moses? Jesus, yes. Yeah, Jesus, the other prophet. Do you understand? One greater than Moses is here. You know what I'm saying? And he obviously talked to God face to face, right? Okay? So that's the end of Deuteronomy.